Welcome to the Business of Behavior podcast, hosted by Dr. Becca Tagg. We support clinicians who have been bitten by the entrepreneurial bug, looking to strengthen their practice to better serve their clients, employees, and themselves. Hello, and welcome to the Business of Behavior podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Becca Tagg, and I am super excited today, just like any day, that we have uh, somebody here to talk with, so it's not just me talking to my screen. Um, And we have Nora Coyle, who's going to talk with us today about nonviolent communication. Nora Coyle is a BCBA and small business owner of Achieve Together Behavior Services in Dayton, Ohio. She's been practicing and studying nonviolent communication for the last five years, and she integrates NVC into her company culture, which has supported low client and employee turnover using these skills. She's also currently pursuing NVC trainer training. Nora, welcome to the Business of Behavior podcast. Thank you. For those of you who are listening and you might be thinking, what the hell is NVC? That's okay. We're going to talk about that. And I want to give a little background about kind of how this came to be. So one, I really adore Nora, both personally and professionally, and knowing that she's been using NVC to help support strengthened communication with others. I thought she'd be a great person to talk more about this topic. And because communication happens in all ways, all ways, um, I thought this would be a great additional tool or set of tools that we could talk about for practitioners, for leaders. And so if this resonates with you, she's also going to give us um, some suggestions about places to go for more information, uh, which will be in the show notes. So just the gist of NVC, it's, um, and this is coming from the nvc.org website, it is based on the principles of nonviolence, the natural state of compassion when no violence is present in the heart. NVC begins by assuming that we are all compassionate by nature and that violent strategies, whether verbal or physical, are learned behaviors taught and supported by the prevailing culture. So if you're listening to that and you're thinking, whoa, behavior analysis, yeah, right? Um, NVC also assumes that we all share the same basic human needs and that actions are a strategy to meet one or more of these needs. And that people who practice NVC have found greater authenticity in their communication, increased understanding, deepening connection, and conflict resolution. Um, NVC was created or founded, I guess might be the right word, by Dr. Marshall Rosenberg in the 60s. How's that sound, Nora? Uh, That was exceptionally well done which means their website has great copy on it, right? Which is good. So can you tell me a little bit how you found NVC? Sure. So in Dayton, we have the only international peace museum. And um, Diane Diller uh, hosted a um, just an introduction to NVC. And she kind of modeled it for us. And um, I was just fascinated by it. So I joined her class and um, I've been practicing it for five years now. And I've done, there's lots of online classes that I've taken, lots of in-person classes. I don't know that that really matters. For me, it hasn't mattered um, whether it was online or in person. 
I've still gotten the same benefit. And uh, there's different there's different um, avenues that you can take. And one of the ones that I've taken is empathetic leadership. Okay. So it sounds like within nonviolent communication or NVC, there's different veins. Is that right? The empathic leadership, would that be considered like maybe a specialization or a specialty area? Yeah, I would say it's more of a specialty. Um, okay. And uh, my uh, certified trainer, Francois, he's been... He, he really owns that and really does some special things with that concept. And he has a, a really great um, training that I actually can do now because I did his um, certificate trainer training for empathetic leadership, but it involves social justice and power and privilege. Mm. And how do you use these concepts with people that don't, um, necessarily want to use feelings and needs. So there's lots of different ways to use it. That's great. Which makes sense if we're talking about uh, communication occurs, you know, all the time and Mm -hmm. compassionate communication is maybe something we could all, I dare I say all benefit from or work to improve. Um, It sounds like you found NVC through um, the Peace Museum. So that sounds to me like peace is something that's important to you or something that maybe you were looking for at that time. Yeah. You know, I was really looking for coping skills for Mm. stress and anxiety. And um, so I started it to gain uh, coping skills, which is actually really has enabled my um, process through NVC to be really rich because by starting with myself, I was able to identify, you know, different feelings and needs and really put a label to things instead of just having this sensation or this thought, like, what do I do with this thought? You know, NVC allows you to break down judgments, thoughts, blames, and strategies into feelings and needs. And when you put those words, like feelings and needs to um, a blame or judgment, then you're able to see what's really underneath all of that. It's like translating. And then I can, from, by doing that, I was able to have more compassion for myself and then actually do something (laughs) productive that met more of those needs than a strategy that was completely was ineffective or not as rich as I had hoped it would be. So I'm hearing parallels there. Really, we're talking about function, right? If yes. if your analysts that are listening were again talking about getting what's under there, so maybe function versus form, right? I might be yelling certain things, but that's not what's actually under it. And so this again may be a helpful tool for behavior analysts working with you know as supervisors, as supervisees, as spouses, as partners, as working with parents, working with kids. So you're using the word of feelings and needs. Can you talk a little bit about kind of what those are? And again, I want to be sure that um, I always do that. I ask a question, then I say more. I want to um, share this information with our listeners while also to be sure that attending this or listening to this is sort of an amuse-bouche, right? It's like an introduction, dipping your toe in. Um, You're going to learn the basics and we'll give you lots of other places you can go if you're interested in starting to practice, but that listening to this alone 
um, would not be enough to to really go out there and start practicing or teaching somebody else. Is that a fair statement, Nora? Yeah, that's very okay. much a fair statement. You know, okay. you do this without really um, having the solid training. You know, when I first started, I would uh, try and do it with my husband. <laughs> it would make him so mad mm-hmm. because I wasn't doing it with like uh, the true the true understanding, the baseline level, the words is just the topography. Like you really do have to have the underneath of it, like the, the compassion, the curiosity, the authenticity, the honesty. And, you know, like you can yell in NBC, you can, you can argue in NBC, you can uh, resolve conflicts in NBC and you can connect with people. I mean, that's the whole purpose is that you're connecting with people And um, so, you know, and I think the reason I say you can yell and argue in NBC is because a lot of people don't know that, you know, they think Mm. that when they hear nonviolent communication and that it's not based in violence, it is, I'm not always in a state of compassion and curiosity. And um, sometimes I'm authentically upset and, you know, stressed or angry and I can use the language to talk about my experience. It's yes. never about another person. Like you can't control another person. You can't tell them what to do. You can't, you can't say, I need you to respect me and have right. that be met mm-hmm. because I can't control what, whether, what behaviors they choose to do. But right. I can say, I really need to be heard. So can you please, after I say something, just repeat it back. So I know that um, what you heard and then I can clarify anything. Right. And that that allows me to be completely in control of um, where I'm at authentically and making and sure that I'm meeting for anything. what you're wanting or needing. So to, so when you mentioned those feelings and needs, that example you just gave, would that be about naming your need? Yeah. So I don't remember what I said, but oh, I could it was you. a lovely um, instead of saying, I don't remember what the non-example was, but the example was I need to be heard. And so when I stop oh. speaking, I need for you to repeat back to me what you heard me say. Yeah. Or so, something along those lines. I'm sure you said it more eloquently. So being heard is definitely a need. And um, then I added a request. Mm, so, okay. There's a certain formula. So, you know, to go to take it a couple steps back, there's observations, which is just like we use it in ABA. There's no difference. It's the camera view. That's it. What do you see? And you're not saying, hey, why, why are you looking annoyed at me or what's going on there? You know, it's really just, hey, I noticed that um, something may have shifted for you. Does that sound right? Do you think that's what happened? Not that that's the best. <laughs> observation we do at ABA. We're giving examples here and it's an introduction. Yeah. Thanks. So then um, feelings are not. So a lot of times we'll say, well, I just really feel like you're not listening. That's a thought and a judgment. Yes. A feeling would be, you know, I'm really afraid that um, I'm not being heard. Mm. And so the feeling would be afraid and the need would be um, heard. So Feelings we can all relate to. They're all words that we all experience, those feelings and sensations. And then needs are also universal. So 
you know, respect is a really good one because it's kind of in the community, in the NBC community, is that really a need? And if, and my, my thought process is that it's not really a need. There are needs underneath that that aren't being met. And so the idea is that, so NBC is in 62 countries. Wow. Yeah. And a lot of the, um, um, what do you call them? Like conferences are just involved people from all over the world. And um, regardless of language, we all share universal needs. Yes. Some examples would be to be seen, to be acknowledged, to be um, supported, love, um, food, Mm -hmm. um, you know, even sex, water. um, Did I say connection? Nope. Uh, But that, yep. Support. I mean, there's a long list. It's easy to Google. You just search. NVC needs and it pops right up. Okay. Um, and so those are all things that we can relate to. So we can translate mm-hmm. blame, judgment, and even, you know, strategies like somebody not showing up for something, you know, you can, you can look at that as, okay, well, what needs might they have been meeting? And then that allows me to completely relate to that person. Then- I love the um, in therapy, we call it, uh, it's like a curiosity. We always come from a place of curiosity. Many yes. supervisees or, for, or employees who are listening like, oh, Dr. Brack always says that. Yes, because when I come from a place of curiosity rather than blame or judging McJudgerson where I go sometimes, look, I am human as well, is I'm wanting to understand where you're standing because that allows us to communicate better. And I think I'm hearing similar for NVC, right? The the compassion comes from understanding another person's stance. It's not wrong. It's not right. It's just their stance. And it's important simply because it's their stance or perspective. Is that right? Yes, that's 100% true. And it's taken a lot of practice. You know, it's been five yes. years of really intense practice. Um, and especially in the last year, I've really practiced it. I mean, it's been a daily like anytime I'm annoyed, okay, <laughs> what's yep. why, what am I annoyed about? What exactly happened? Mm-hmm. Then what are the feelings? What are the needs? And then I go back and through that process over and over and over again until I get to a place where I'm calm mm-hmm. and it's less of a big deal. You know, that I say, oh, okay, so maybe they were meeting these needs. What needs am I meeting? Mm-hmm. What are not met for me? And then when I just when I'm able to kind of look at both sides, I can decide what to do with that. And after practicing for so long um, and diligently, you know, it's been a daily choice, Um, not always done well, but making the choice has shaped. That's learning, right? Learning is messy. We don't, we don't do a hundred percent. Exactly. And even now I don't, and I don't, wouldn't think that any certified trainer, you know, that's been doing it for 15 years or 20 years does it. Mm -hmm. Perfectly. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, and that's, but that's the point is that you are able to repair mm-hmm. relationships yes. with NBC. Yes. You don't have to do it perfectly. It's like not exact, not at all what the goal is. It's can you repair a relationship that was dis- there was some disconnect or damage. Yes. And um, that's what I predominantly use it for. Um, and it's been really great for doing it at work. Yeah. Tell us more a little bit about um, how or in what ways you've brought this to the workplace and, and, you know, I'm, yes, I'll stop there. In what ways have you brought this to the workplace and maybe what have you noticed? 
Okay. So when I first brought it to the workplace, I really just stuck to the um, formula. It was uh, feelings and needs, and then just trying to listen to people. But what was being completely missed was Mm -hmm. identifying what I needed first so that I could be more open to listening and uh, hearing with curiosity what was going on for somebody else because if so I, I want to interrupt there because what because I want to be sure what folks are hearing is that this nonviolent communication NVC does not always mean giving in to the other person. This does not mean that we're abandoning our needs or our wants, that we're not not setting boundaries, a double negative. I know that's horrible and it came out before I realized uh, and as a word nerd, I noticed it and had to tact it. Um, but this is not just sitting in, you know, what do people think? Sitting in a drum circle, singing Kumbaya, giving everybody all of your things. It's a way to hold space for self and other in a way that is compassionate. So this is a way to get your needs met and help make, meet the needs of others when you can. Is that okay? So back yeah. to work. So you were using the formula. Yeah. So I was just using the formula, just really just focusing on feelings and needs. And um, it just didn't work. I mean, it just didn't work because um, Mm. work has different boundaries than your personal life. Or it should. So if you're listening and you're not seeing different boundaries, (laughs) go back to one of the other podcast sessions on boundaries. (laughs) Um, So, you know, like at work, you're not using feelings so much. Uh, you're really focusing on needs and you're, and um, I actually went through the list several occasions and, you know, identified words that needs that, you know, were, were prominent at work. And honestly, there's a really nice model out there. The scarf model. Um, Is scarf I, an acronym for something? Yeah, but okay, <laughs> that's okay. I'll, I'll Google it and put it in the show notes. That's the lovely okay, cool. thing about Thanks. Google. <laughs> I just started really exploring it. And it's a great model for MVCO work because it provides a nice structure for needs that then I'm kind of playing around with using that model and marrying the two together to put, you know, what specific NVC needs fall into this scarf model. And um, so it gives you a different, like, what's the function of somebody's behavior? So that's really what scarf is. And um, then, so, okay, so here's an example. So if somebody at work, like say it's an employee or staff member says, um, you know, uh, this feels really rushed and I just don't think this is a good idea. Um, So that's the topography of what they're saying. So I have to check in with myself and decide, is this something that I am, can approach with curiosity and authenticity? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so that they feel supported. It's not their job to meet my needs. So I, in that moment, when they're talking to me about this thing, so I can say, uh, well, let's talk about this in, um, and give a designated time. And then I can ask, how does that sound to you? And then, um, but if I feel like I'm fine and, you know, and after so much practice, especially in the last year, focusing on empathetic leadership, it's pretty easy for me to hear a judgment or a blame and be able to just um, be open and curious. So are there words that you hear that tend to be um, that like your ears perk up that like, oh, this might be judgment or blame? It's a really good question. Um, usually it's uh, the delivery is what I'm looking for. Uh, okay. So can you say more? 
Sure. So it's a lot in their tone of voice and their, um, they look stressed or, you know, annoyed, frustrated, um, stressed. And it's usually kind of like a, like the tone can be kind of harsh, you know, like, oh, this is just, this is too rushed. It's disorganized. It's not going to work. Yep. Um, So I'm kind of less what they're saying and how they're saying it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, And so then I can, uh, so if I'm in a place to be curious, then I'm going to start asking questions. Well, tell me a little bit more about what you mean about rushed and disorganized. And then I listen. Mm, Okay. And then, um, you know, they might say, well, you know, I don't know how we're going to get this done in time. And then I can say, okay, so you don't, you, you need some more information on the timeline and what's happening. Like you just don't have a lot of clarity on that and clarity is a need, a yes. universal need. So, um, and then they can say, yeah. And what I've noticed uh, is that when somebody has a blame or a thought or a judgment or a trying to utilize a strategy, they're going to talk for a long time. And then when you acknowledge what's going on, and then, yep, yes. it's down to, so when somebody gets to one or two words, then I can say, okay, so is it okay if I tell you um, what's, what's up for me and what's going on and kind of give you a little insight. Mm, yes. And then they say, yes. And most of the time you can tell they're ready. Um, and I'm kind of looking for relaxed shoulders, yep. um, more eye contact, yep. more, um, like the tone starts to, you know, become more baseline. Mm-hmm. And then I know they're really ready to hear me and then I can share company policy. I could share my boundaries. I can share um, what's uh, other needs that you know I've heard from other people. And then you know, once all of that's on the table, I can then take the needs of the person, which is you know, like in that scenario, maybe clarity and understanding sure. and based communication. I can take my needs, the company's needs, and then I can throw them all in a pile. And then I can um, find solutions that meet most of those needs. But like there are boundaries that I don't cross, like legal, ethical, you know, things like that are not boundaries that are, those aren't needs that are compromised. So then I can take that as my baseline, throw all the other needs on the top of it. And then we can come up with solutions that meet most of the needs and aren't necessarily like, well, this is what we're doing. I don't know what to tell you. Right. (laughs) And I love too that what I'm I'm hearing is that you're engaging in the problem solving when folks are ready to problem solve. Okay. Yes. And sometimes I think that we think, or let me not put that on anyone else. There are times in my life when I have thought that everyone's ready to problem solve because I'm ready to problem solve. And and so I think or I wonder if part of that compassionate listening is um, engaging in the type of communication that everybody or most people are ready to do, right? So behavior analytically, we're really talking about um, verbal behavior for listener, not just for speaker, right? And that your needs are important Uh and we're going to get to them or your, I might not be using needs in the right way for NVC, but like your needs, your boundaries, the things, the company policy, all these things are important. And they're so important that I want to get to them in a place when this person can hear me and I'm recognizing based on the content and the way of what they're, the content of what they're saying and how they're saying it, we're not at a place to communicate yet yes. in the problem solving communication. Yeah, for sure. Okay. 
And it's really not worth, uh, for me, it hasn't been worth um, problem solving until the person has really been heard. Mm-hmm. And um, because it's almost not possible to problem solve yet, right? I, if I think about in therapy, which is sort of some of the parallels that I make because that's what I, I do as a psychologist, is that um, people don't know what they don't care. How was that phrase goes? Like people don't care what you know till they know that you care. And it's a way to show caring for the other person that your thoughts, your feelings, your needs are important. And I want to be sure I understand them. It doesn't mean I can always meet them, but I want to be sure I understand what they really are so that we can talk about what's really happening here. It's I had an um, argument with, I mean, it really wasn't an argument. I was snappy at my partner and it was about dinner. It weren't about dinner, guys, gals, everyone. It was about, I really couldn't make another decision. I had made a bunch of really tough decisions all day. And so when I got home and had to make a decision... I kind of not flipped my shit because I don't, I mean, for me at 40, it was flipping my shit, right? I was being snarky and I started listing all this other stuff that was happening. It wasn't about dinner. And so I had to get it all out. And then I, what I said was, this is not about dinner. And he was like, no shit, Becca. And you know, that's the great thing about having a wonderful partner. But once I got that that emotion out, I was able to say, I'm drowning in decisions. And um, what I need is to not have to make a decision. So I truly don't care what we're eating. And I hear that you waited to make the decision because you wanted me to have what I wanted for dinner because you knew I was having a long day. And that's so kind. And I roared at you, which feels like crap when you're doing something nice for your partner. And really, it's because you were trying to take care of me in a way that I didn't need. And because I hadn't said what I needed, it turned into this thing. <coughs> and so so sometimes what is happening is not actually what's happening, right? That function over topography. Yes, yes, yes. So you're using this in, um, I hear your example was about communication with um, team members, right? What are they needing, particularly around projects, which um, I can appreciate. I think I forget that not everybody has the knowledge I have. And I don't mean like content knowledge. Um, I actually think I'm pretty good at remembering people don't have the, the same of that. What sometimes I forget is that folks don't know some of the other business stuff. Like, so here we can't do this because we have to meet this law or I can't purchase this because I just had to buy two new printers or these other things that I forget that they don't know. And so sometimes I don't give enough information. Um, sometimes I think I do it because I think I forget they don't know it. Sometimes I think they don't want to know it. And sometimes I think I'm shielding them from stuff when I might actually be keeping information from them that might help them understand. And so I appreciate that really we're we're talking about this in a variety of different ways. Um, In what other ways might you bring NVC to strengthen communication in the workplace? So other ways that I, you know, I... By definitely acknowledging where I'm at, you know, complete to complete transparency here when it mainly wasn't working for those years beforehand because I was not addressing any of my needs. I wasn't mm-hmm. acknowledging my limitations. Yes. I, wasn't, I was terrified of uh, conflict. And so um, when I started to really work on myself and become predictable in my responses to people, 
to um, acknowledge when I need space, mm-hmm. supports my ability to be consistent and reliable. Mm-hmm. And um, those, you know, that for me, like what I've noticed is people being able to trust my response, yes. trust that I'm going to care and listen, and that I'm going to validate what is important to them and acknowledge what they're saying, you know, that has really been a game changer. So just really focusing on that has really changed a lot. And then it's allowed me space to really work on the other aspects of, you know, like, okay, so difficult conversations, not my favorite. Most people don't really much care for them, but now I have. And they're so important. That's those are those things that really strengthen or um, erode relationships. And maybe that kind of circles back to what we talked about in the beginning about, um, don't start using stuff until you know what what we're doing, right? That that un- uh, I just read this somewhere: impact over intention. So maybe you're you're using you're wanting to learn this. The intent is to make things better, but impact over intent that you, we may not. And so to be really thoughtful. Um, I also really want to say thank you for sharing that the areas, um, not the areas that. In order to use this, we have to do our own work. And I would actually gently say that that goes for kind of anything that how we are in the world and where we are in our stuff impacts what's around us because we're part of the environment. And I mean, lately, I know I had shared with you before we started recording, I've taken on a bit too much, um, mostly for others, and was feeling really overwhelmed and pulled in these different directions and and. I couldn't start working on that until or to make changes there until I said, damn, Becca, you you contributed to this. And so how do I and what do I do different? And so I love that that's part of NVC. It's not just it's speaking for listener. It's engaging for listener, but not at the neglect of the speaker. Yes, for sure. And that is the baseline. If you don't have that baseline, you're just yeah. using a series of words that don't really land with a lot of people, you know, like especially that really structured NVC formula, it can be a real turnoff for people, you know, just when you say, Oh, you know, sounds like you're really angry. Are you needing some space? You know, that sounds very foreign to people and can Mm -hmm. be a real turnoff. And especially if you don't, if you don't talk like that (laughs) and you're now trying to practice and put on this new hat and play around with it, you know, that, you know, I appreciate that because when you first said, it, I was like, I talk like that all the time, but I think that's, and I do, right. It sounds like this, but I think that's because I am a psychologist. And so I've that, uh, that is how I talk. And so it goes back to that predictability. So folks expect that from me. Uh-huh. Um, I think predictability is really big and maybe that's where the formula could be helpful for learning. Um, but also predictability in the beginning in the same way that maybe we teach scripts to our kids or even parents. Like if I'm, I'm uh, thinking about the potential uses for this in stronger communication during parent meetings, um, helping parents, right. Uh, Dr. Dan Siegel calls it name it to tame it. Right. But, but it's this idea we have to label what's happening for folks. And when somebody does that, it brings, brings it down. Quite a bit. Yeah. And down the intensity because man, you see me. Okay. So I, so I don't have to scream at you to get it out because I hear that you see me. So I can kind of like shoulders down, listen a bit. 
Yeah. So I've been using it with parents for a couple of years now. And, um, you know, honestly, it can be really hard for me to take off the, or to share hats, you know, to have the BCPA mm-hmm. yep. give you all the interventions versus <laughs> NVC. So it's something that I'm still really working on, but um, it's been really essential in having difficult conversations with parents or employees mm-hmm. because, you know, mm-hmm. you're really um, acknowledging that in being curious about what another person is going through. And honestly, a lot of times, whatever you think is going on, isn't really what's going on. Right. (laughs) So it's that dinner example. Corey was so taken aback by my overly my, the, um, the magnitude of my response was grossly out of whack for him asking me what I wanted for dinner. Usually when I see a mismatch between um, the event, right, the stimulus and a person's response, that tells me I've missed something. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. And, you know, that's what I've noticed with parents is that it can be, okay, so if I share this intervention with you, Mm -hmm. what is the response? And then, um, you know, I like the uh, name it to tame it. And that's kind of what happens. And you can say, well, okay, how is that for you? And when you said script, I've added scripts to my vocabulary a little bit, very intentionally, but very slowly. Yes. That way it's more authentic to people. And so I can say, how is that for you? But like two years ago, or even a year ago, that was like a weird phrase for me to use. Mm -hmm. So now I can say, how is that for you? And then people can share. And then I can make an adjustment based off of what they shared. You know, maybe it's too stressful. Maybe it's too hard. And they're balancing 15 other things in that moment when that behavior occurs. Well, then I can say, okay, well, it sounds like you need something a little bit more easy and something mm-hmm. manageable and something that's already in your repertoire. And then I can exactly a recommendation to meet their needs. Because if I give, if I want them to do the whole thing and they can't, then we're not going anywhere. Nope. Then we're like this, right? And that's the oh. uh, what I just did was put my hands together. I forget folks can't see us, but it's this idea that like, Maybe that's where sometimes people say BCBA hole, right? Like that we're saying, well, you have to do it the way that I'm saying. And the person saying, I can't or I won't. And we're saying, well, you have to. Okay. They're saying they can't and they won't. So, yes, I hope to help shape towards that. This is their life, not mine. And so if they're telling me they can't do it, I got to come up with something different. Yep. Yep. I love that. You can watch their shoulders relax. Yes. You can watch them make more eye contact. You can, they're more engaging. They ask questions. There's a sign that it's what you're saying resonates with them and it's something that they can actually do. And you're and strengthening that, the relationship between exactly. you and the parent. And bonus, the kids are going to get the intervention they need, right? So, so they're going to have a parent who's responding in a way that's behavior analytic in nature, right? That's more likely to produce the 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 safer, healthier, more well behavioral interaction or interaction between parent and child. That's that's a win. Okay. It is. It really is, and it and it's so much more Powerful. successful in the long run. So uh, I think we've given some great suggestions for this uh, and some information. And what would be the steps if somebody's interested in learning more? I'll of course put some notes uh, or some links in the in the show notes. But kind of what's the next step? And maybe you can tell us a little bit about, about that trainer training. Yeah. So you can find. Let's see. It's 
So cnbc.org is the um, NBC uh, website. Mm-hmm. And there's um, nbcacademy.com. They have a okay. lot of library of um, classes that you can take. Oh, great. Um, okay. Yeah, it's a really nice um, resource. Uh, once you're, you know, to be perfectly honest, it can be kind of hard to find live trainings. You have to really search your area. So a lot of times they'll have uh, like uh, regional um, groups. So like there's a great NBC that covers uh, Ohio, Michigan, and Canada. And then we have one in um, Ohio. And so they are out there. You just have to kind of look up, you know, your state and NBC. Okay. And it will pop up. Um, There's, you look for certified trainers in your area. Like we have one in Dayton and we have one in Columbus. Mm -hmm. So they are out there. So you don't have to have um, somebody doing it in your area to really have the benefit. There's like NBC Fest happens a couple times a year and that involves everybody from all over the country. Um, So, and then if you decide that this is something you really enjoy, you can do the, um, uh, the, you can become a certified candidate, but that is, you know, what's kind of interesting is it's not super structured, but um, you have to have 50 days of uh, classes under your belt. Okay. And that is um, a day is six to eight hours and mm-hmm. it has to be back and forth um, with like, it has to be live. Whether okay. It's so online. synchronous. Yep. Yes. Thank you. Um, and then you have to go through all these different layers. So you got to train, you got to interview with your um uh, certificate, whatever the mm-hmm. trainer person, sorry. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and that takes about three to five years and that's after you apply. So mm-hmm. for me, it'll probably be, I'll have practiced for, um, seven to 10 years before I'm actually, uh, able to be a trainer. Mm-hmm. And that's because to integrate it into your life is extremely time. time consuming. Yeah. And, and it also, I mean, we know as behavior analysts, right. It takes a long time it takes lots of repetition and practice and performance feedback to truly master something or to move towards mastery. And we shouldn't be teaching until we are closer to mastery. Yeah, I completely agree, especially NBC, because, you know, the some of the criticism out there is completely fair, you know, that, mm. well, it's just you're always in a state of compassion uh, and or, you know, Sometimes I want to be angry and communicate that this is wrong, you know, especially mm-hmm. in the realm of social justice. Like yep. you can't tell people <laughs> to not be angry. And NBC isn't about being calm and curious and compassionate all the time. And that's one of the big misconceptions. And I think it's because people haven't really integrated it into their life. And that can be, you know, um, detrimental yeah. to because it's such a wonderful structure of communication and, and um, that this strategy for me has been um, life-changing. When it sounds like it's made a big impact on the culture of your organization as well, that it's created space for um, open communication and, and psychological safety. And it also sounds like it's had very real data, potential data impact in your turnover rates. Is that something you feel comfortable sharing, or at least maybe not the exact numbers in whatever way feels comfortable for you to share? 
Yeah, sure. So um, I tracked back to 2019, which is when I started using it at the mm-hmm. clinic. Mm-hmm. And the turnover was 37%. And then in 2020, it was 40%. And then when, when we were all quarantined, I jumped into empathetic leadership mm-hmm. and have completely, I mean, I must have taken, gosh, I don't know, 10, 10 days worth of courses in the last year on empathetic leadership. Yeah. And, um, and I integrated it every single day. And I tried it and I watched what happened and I really worked on myself. And then the percent went down to 6% turnover. Wow. Yeah. During, you know, COVID when everything was horrible, you know, it yeah. was, of course that was after we came back. Mm-hmm. So it's been a full year of uh, a 6% turnover, but um I also wonder if it was extra needed during that period when everyone is and not even like it's past tense. I mean, it's, it's still right. happening um, when we really need to have our, our feelings heard and our wants seen. And um, I think that's great data. Right. That, yeah. It's been really nice to look back and it's also really satisfying to see all of the hard work that I've put in really pay off and, you know, just makes me more confident that, um, you know, I'll get there. <laughs> Or that you're oh, there. Right? One more research, uh, yeah. or not research, but um, resource. Mm-hmm. Francois Bousselet. If you look up, um, I think it's a. Uh, I should have done with this one. No, nope, you can send it to me afterwards, and I'll put it in the show notes. Okay, okay great. I'll do that. Mm-hmm. He's the one doing empathetic leadership. Um, okay, I will start teaching those classes soon because I took the training to learn how to do that. Yeah, That's training. So um, you know, I'm just it's. It's a great skill. It's a great That's awesome. Skill. Yeah. And leadership is kind of what <clears throat> it's all about, right? Uh, sort of how the podcast came to be in the business builders group. And it's it's how do we be the best leaders? How do we be the best leaders for supervisees, for parents, for our field, for leading a household, right? I mean, leadership is not just work many times, Um and so I appreciate that very much. I also very much appreciate your time. And so I want to be mindful of time. Is there anything we didn't talk about today that you think would be important to talk about for uh, sort of an understanding of NVC? You know, I think um, we really laid the foundation for it and we didn't really talk much about the strategy. So I would encourage people to go and you know read about the strategy, but no, the strategy is only this is probably one of the smallest parts. It really has a lot to do with your internal work and mm-hmm. getting to a place where you're able to use that strategy successfully and um in a way that you know resonates with people. And it because it's all about connection. How can you how can you move forward with this relationship in a positive healing way, in a connecting way? Mm-hmm. Okay. I appreciate that. And so we'll have some notes in the <clears throat> in the show notes. And Nora, I so appreciate you sharing your time and expertise with me, Dr. Becca Tag, on the Business of Behavior podcast. And I hope everyone has a great rest of your day.